Thanks for listening to the Voices of UMass Med, featuring the people, ideas, and advances of UMass Medical School. Welcome to the Voices of UMass Med podcast. Thank you for spending some time with us. In today's episode, we are shining the spotlight on and celebrating our resident physicians and fellows. It is Graduate Medical Education, or GME Appreciation Week. And our three guests today are Dr. Robert Lay, an internal medicine resident, and Dr. Mimi Tran from Emergency Medicine. We're also joined by Dr. Deborah DeMarco, who is the Associate Dean for Graduate Medical Education, a professor of medicine, and a practicing rheumatologist here at UMass Medical. So welcome to all of you. Hi, Jen. We're happy to be here. Welcome. Thanks for your time. So Dr. DeMarco, let's start with you briefly. So here at UMass Medical School, there is a really robust uh, GME program. There are 600 residents and fellows. 57 accredited specialty programs. Can you talk a little bit about how the residency training years fit into a physician's career? After medical school, residents uh, um, join their specialty of their choice. Uh, We have Mimi Tran, who's an emergency medicine resident, and Robert Lay, who's internal medicine. And uh, they go through the match process, which we're about to have next month. Um, And then it's really a very uh, practical hands-on training that uh, that they get through uh, anywhere from one to seven years. Our our neurosurgery program is is quite long at seven years. Uh, So they're here for, you know, for quite some time in the core residency programs. And they're really learning their trade, so to speak, uh, from, uh, from other, you know, attendings, from each other. And for many people, myself included, it's really, I think, some of the best years of your life. You guys may not think that right now, but, you know, when you look back, I think you'll really look back fondly on your residency years. And there's a pretty steep learning curve. You know, you make life and death decisions sometimes, uh, more times than we uh, like to think about, which can be quite challenging. Yeah, and we do try to support residents uh, through these challenging times. But I think it's also a, a time of great personal and professional growth. And you really make lifelong friends. I'm still friends with some people in my residency program. So Robert and Mimi, right now, does it feel like some of the best years of your life lives or does it feel like you're just working a lot? Well, I mean, yes and no. I've been up since 5 a.m., had to present grand rounds, was sitting through lectures, and here I am. But, <laughs> no, yeah, it's a lot of work, definitely. I want to ask each of you uh, about your specialty and how difficult was that for you to hone in on what specialty it was that you wanted to pursue? If you could talk about that a little bit and sort of what the factors that were most important to you were. Mimi, let's start with you. Yeah, so um, somebody once told me that uh, your first exposure to medicine is usually what you typically uh, choose to go into. And that was true for me. I don't know if it's true for everyone, but I um, was very interested in emergency medicine. I actually grew up here in Worcester, born and raised in Worcester. Um, and uh, I a lot of my cousins and family members were involved in gangs and uh, I was surrounded by violence, a lot of violence. So trauma, things like that were always very interesting to me. And so I had um, actually entered into college and became an EMT because I loved it so much. I loved, you know, responding to emergencies and, and I loved um, being part of the crazy adrenaline rush all the time. 
And so um, when I went into medical school, I thought, okay, I got to keep my options open. I have to think about other things that might make me happy. And really, truly, I ended up still in emergency medicine, but I'm very happy. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And Robert, how about you? You're an internal medicine specialist. Yeah. Um, a specialty without a specialization at the start. It's great. Um, so like for me, you know, when I was going through med school and everything else, I, I think there was, there was always kind of this lingering question is like, you know, how is it the best way to approach, you know, making a difference in patients' lives? And, and you know, before going to med school, actually, I got an MBA to kind of work on things from like a systemic side of things. And that's how I've always really tried to approach things is really trying to keep like the big picture uh, in mind. And I think that's one thing that like medicine, like uh, internal medicine specifically, uh, really brought to the table is kind of this kind of well-rounded jack of all trades sort of approach to things and really keeping uh, things uh, in mind as a whole. Um, you know, I, I think for me, it, it really felt compatible with what I wanted to do later down in my career, like, especially if I want to go into administration, uh, I felt that that was something that um, could really um, uh, round off the, me as, as a physician. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it strikes me as for a number of reasons as such a unique time in a physician's careers, because at, you, you finish medical school, you, you are an MD, you're caring for patients, you're part of a team, yet you're still learning the intricacies of your chosen specialty, and maybe you're even teaching some medical students as well. So I want to ask you both, and Robert, let's start with you this time, you know, of that managing the complexity of all those roles, and, and then also for both of you doing so and, and creating your own style and your own habits as a physician uh, amid immense challenges because of the pandemic. How do you balance all of that? I think for me, you know, it's as I um, tell the tell the interns and stuff is and all the patients, you know, it's you got to take everything one step at a time, right? Like where there's a lot to learn, there's a lot to really approach and really chew and digest. And the first thing is really trying to take it like piece by piece rather than taking it all on in one shot. Um, like for me, I think going through residency has always been kind of this really stepwise approach. Um, intern year, you have a lot of supervision and a lot of uh, seniors that really help out with a lot of things at the very start. And as you progress through it, there's a lot more autonomy that you get from the experience and a lot more, uh, let's say, freestyling as you go through the rest of the time to up to the end of the intern year when, you know, you're starting to get prepped for becoming a senior and being on the other side of saying, well, this is how you do things. And, you know, trying to feel confident with what you're saying, even as you're in the middle of the learning process. And I I think that it's daunting at first and it's, it's scary, especially during a pandemic for sure. But I think that just like what, as you start intern year, you very quickly get accustomed to that and really uh, make strides with that. Mimi? Yeah, I think I echo a lot of what uh, Robert uh, said. Um, in the beginning, you know, as a med student, you're pressured and you feel like you need to be somebody that you're you're not. You just want to be perfect. You want to be the attending's favorite. You know, you just want to be 
the best. And then you go into intern year and you're like, holy moly, I don't know anything. I just need to like get through the system, learn everything around me, learn the, the epic chart, learn who all the nurses and all the attendings are, just kind of figure out the system. And now as a second year resident, I'm, you know, finally starting to have more autonomy and I'm starting to create my own style, how I greet my patients, who I am around my colleagues and around the ancillary staff. Um, and it's, it's fun. It's, it's very interesting now to feel, um, a, I mean, there's so much more to learn, but um, to have learned so much over the past year and, and a half and feel more confident in my medical decisions and choices um, and with patient care. So it's scary, but it's fun. And um, I'm still, I'm still working on it. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it would be hard to imagine a place that's busier or perhaps more chaotic than an emergency department during a pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> I'm curious, um, is it possible for you to find, and maybe this is a little bit of a personal slash professional question, but how do you find the balance? Is it possible? Like, how do you keep up your resilience to be able to come back tomorrow at 5 a.m., like you said today, Mimi, and you know, put in those long, grueling days? Um, I think a lot of our resilience comes from support from our programs and our uh, co-residents. For me, especially, my co-residents are like my second family. Um, we don't, you know, I haven't seen my family for a really long time. I don't go to my, you know, family's houses because of the pandemic, but I see my co-residents at work and we joke, we laugh, we, you know, we, and it's, that's what gets me through every day. And if I have to you know, vent about something. I just get on our little group chat and I start venting away and, and they agree. And um, so it's, it's the family at UMass. It's the people at UMass. It's the people in our, in my program. I, I just love them to death. So that's how I balance um, getting to work every day. Yeah. Robert, same question for you. How, how are you adapting to the, the unknowns and the stress? Yeah, I, I would echo a lot of what Mimi has said. You know, I think Principally, the, the big thing is having very supportive um, teammates around you, basically. You know, I, I think that it's very challenging to come in with very complex patients all the time and trying to figure out what to do with them. But I think that, you know, every day that, for example, being on the heart failure team, um, having like fantastic interns, um, uh, being able to uh, like help like with the teaching role uh, on the team, I think that there's a lot of different positive rewards from one patient interactions to uh, being on the team and three, like with like the, like the ancillary staff and the attendings as well. I think that's on a day-to-day -day basis. I think in the big broader uh, side of things, I think that it's been a blessing to have like very supportive uh, administrative staff as well. Um, you know, I very big shout outs to uh, our program director, for example, for being a huge advocate for us as a residency. I know that uh, Dr. DeMarco, for example, on the GME side of things, has done a lot of advocating for us as well in terms of making sure that we as residents and trainees do not bear the full brunt of what we're facing as a pandemic right now. And I think that that's really on the work side of things. I think that at home, you know, it's always important to really separate the work and home life balance as well. 
Um, and for me, you know, I get home, I, I try to decompress and I play a lot of video games. So it all works out. <laughs> uh, Dr. DeMarco, so I, I wanna ask you, you know, whether there's a pandemic or not, um, can, can you share some of your thoughts about how a physician's residency years can really shape who they are and how they practice? Yeah, so um, I think that um, residents uh, view attendings uh, both within their specialty and outside as role models. And I think emulating, you know, some of the best characteristics of people they see. And, you know, as Mimi said, you, you really do develop your own style during these years because there's very little that's black and white in medicine. There's usually several ways that you can do things and you find what's comfortable for you. And, um, and I think role modeling and mentoring uh, uh, helps quite a bit in that regard, both from your senior residents as well as, uh, as the attending staff. Um, I think also involvement in things uh, going on around you, like in the learning environment. And I know we have two great examples here in this podcast with us. Robert is a, is a very productive member of the Graduate Medical Education Committee. Um, he's even come in on vacation to, you know, to be involved in, in things that we've asked. And Mimi, I think, is a very involved. You were a UMass medical student, right, Mimi? Yeah. yeah. I think, yeah, and has been very involved in some of the diversity initiatives. And so, so I think, you know, becoming a well-rounded person and, that, and it's easy to lose sight of that during residency because you're so busy and you have like no control over your schedule, which is one of the hard, really hard things about residency. But if you try to make time for your personal goals, whether it's, you know, Robert said he's interested in administration, which is obvious from his involvement in GME committee. Um, I think those are the things that really are important and help shape your uh, even your future goals. We keep talking about the schedule, Mimi and Robert. Can you give us a peek? And I know there's probably not a, a typical day, but can you give us a peek into what what it's like? Yeah, so it's very different from year to year. Um, but you know, as a second year right now, I do a a lot of ICU rotations, um, and ICU rotations require you to be there for 12 hour shifts. And often it's not just 12 hours, sometimes it's 14 hours. It, it just depends on the day. Um, I've had to do COVID ICU for a second time this year. Um, and those were very long months, um, very just cruel <laughs> long months. Um, and uh, we, you know, the schedule is tough. We work a lot, um, but you know, when you have a bunch of people around you who do the same, we, we can get each other through it, so. Yeah, uh, you know, on the medicine side of things, um, it'll depend a little bit based on uh, if you're an intern or a senior. I think that the, you know, the most relatable time as a medicine resident is when you're on the wards. Um, and as an intern, you know, you'll, you'll come in early, you know, six to seven o'clock or so, get sign out, uh, make sure that, you know, everything about the patient, you know, if they have a uh, tattoo of their mom somewhere, like you got to know that to that granular of a detail for their physical exam. And, you know, you'll know that patient uh, for every single part of their day of your day and during your time on the wards. Make sure that you round with your attendings. And then by the end of the day, it'll be uh, around five to six o'clock or so. 
Um, so these are long days. A lot of patients come in very sick. And, um, you know, it's, you know, occasionally has some, let's just say, surprise challenges come up. But, you know, I think that you have a very good team. If you need any help from anyone, there's always uh, support staff as well as residents from the ICUs for those critically ill patients. And, you know, we, you know, like the days will, um, you know, become more manageable as the year progresses. I want to ask all of you, you know, so, the pandemic has obviously caused enormous stress and sadness and loss, but I'm wondering if amid all of that, there has been anything that you maybe appreciate more now that you maybe didn't pay as close attention to in the past? Are there any silver linings that are on your mind? Well, I was just saying earlier, so, um, it's just so odd to see most of the offices vacant in the you know hospital. It's just um, less of your administ administrative staff or in office and you just don't see as many people around you. And I think uh, when this is all over and hopefully when everyone gets back to work and we can all hang out again, I think uh, we will really appreciate it a lot more when we get to finally be in the same room together and not feel uncomfortable, you know? Yeah, I, I think that's the big thing right there is just the lack of seeing people in person, basically. I know that, you know, unfortunately for a lot of the interns in, in our uh, internal medicine residency, they haven't been able to gather as a, as a single class, even during orientation because of how everything's been. And, you know, that's, it's tough. That's, that's a hard part because I think that, you know, especially like your, the friends you make in intern year are the ones that like really like pay off in the long term. You know, I'm still like good friends with a lot of the uh, neuro residents nowadays. Um, and, you know, I think that's one of the big things that we're all looking forward to, not just seeing us, our, our colleagues, but also like our administrative staff, because, uh, mm -hmm. you know, really missing out on uh, Mary Roberts's uh, cookies <laughs> you know, on the medicine side of things. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would, I would agree with that. I think it's that that loss of connection. And I think it really does start at orientation because we have mixed groups and uh, it, it's just so hard not to not to have that initial bonding activity. And you know, a, a lot of the programs also have a, a barbecue at the program director's house or some other event. And you know, on the on the on the other side is that we didn't have graduation parties. You know, finishing residency is a huge deal, and we really couldn't uh, celebrate that in the way that uh, that the residents deserve. This is the Voices of UMass Med podcast. We are speaking with Drs. Deborah DeMarco, Robert Lay, and Mimi Tran about graduate medical education here at UMass Medical School. So Dr. DeMarco, to you next. We mentioned that this is GME Appreciation Week and here at UMass Medical School, what does that mean? How are the residents and fellows recognized? Yeah, so about four years ago, we had the idea to, uh, to have a special time for the residents to really just let them know how much we appreciate the hard work they do. Um, and they, they really are the heart and soul of the hospital. I mean, we, could not, we couldn't care for patients without them. And I think people realize that, but it's nice to 
to have a special week. You know, there's nurses week, there's doctor's day, there's this, every specialty and every group has their day. And we felt that the residents really deserve to have a whole week of appreciation events. And it's, you know, it's the tip of the iceberg It's a drop in the bucket to what they do on a daily basis. But we hope that um, the things that we plan really show them how much we do care about them. Now this year, I have to say was very, um, it was difficult to plan because, you know, giving them a little giveaway just didn't seem right after all the work they've done for a year now with, uh, with the pandemic and COVID positive patients. So, and we also, you know, didn't want to encourage going out to eat. So giving them gift cards to local restaurants was not really in the card. So we do have several special things uh, planned for them, which I'm not going to reveal right now. Uh, but <laughs> okay. hopefully by the time they listen to this podcast, they will know what they are. So And feel very appreciated, no doubt. Yep. Hopefully. Uh, Robert and Mimi, to each of you, um, can you tell us a little bit about what your next couple of years are going to be like? How many years are left in your residency training? And, and have you started to think about what's next for you? Well, we just got an email from our administrators and uh, about uh, what we're planning for fellowship. So it's pretty much right on our heels right now. Uh, I think pretty much everyone uh, in internal medicine is starting to think, you know, what do I want to do for a specialty if I want to do that? Uh, for me, again, I'm thinking of hospital work. So uh, I'm dusting off my CV right now and uh, needing to make a few updates since uh, the start of residency. Um, and I am currently a second year and our program uh, is a three-year program. And so I have one year after this. I am, you know, just the same as Robert. We have to think about what we're doing if we want to apply to fellowship, uh, what we want to do in the future. So I think I'm leaning towards working in the community. Um, I do love the idea of being that community doc that, you know, has a very close knit relationship with their staff and, and uh, gets to know the community very well that they, that they're serving. Well, no matter where you end up, I'm sure that you'll be great. And we're really happy that you're here at UMass for the time being for the foreseeable future. I want to, um, I'm wondering if we can sort of wrap up with some words of wisdom from each of you now that you're the experienced folks who have been through the match. Um, and I'm specifically thinking of the medical school classes of 2021. So they're obviously completing their medical education in a pandemic. It's been tough for them to travel to figure out where they might want to do their own residencies. Um, and match day uh, for them is just a couple of weeks away. So I'm just curious if there's a perspective or a few words of support uh, that you might want to offer the classes of 2021. Yeah, I, I think that it's a challenging time for all of us, especially those of us who are still in medical school, um, trying to figure out where they're going for the rest of their life. That's a daunting task at this point, especially if they're finalizing their match list. But I, what I will say is, you know, I think that it is in many ways empowering to be in on the clinical side of things as a pure, uh, as a licensed physician, um, and that the work does pay off. There is a light at the end of the tunnel at some point. Um, until then, you know, match is coming up. You've got the rest of fourth year ahead of you. Just relax and enjoy the work that you've put in at this point. And, you know, when intern year comes, it'll come. But for now, 
relish the fact that you have this time to spend with friends and family. Dr. Tran? Yeah, so uh, I, I will say I uh, don't know what it's going to be like for you to match during the pandemic, not being able to have interviewed um, at programs, not knowing exactly the feel of a program before you go there. So I urge you to be um, positive, be resilient. If there's something you don't like, change it. Be an advocate for yourself, for your colleagues. Um, residency is hard and being an advocate in the residency is also hard. Um, and, and wanting to make good change is really hard as well because you're working long hours every day. And the last thing you wanna do is get on a 7 a.m. Zoom meeting to talk about things that you wanna change in the program, but um, do it for yourself, do it for your colleagues. Um, always, always follow your mind and your heart with what you wanna do and, and just never give up. You're almost there. Um, so that's my, that's my motto in life. Just keep going and just keep being resilient and doing everything with your whole heart and soul. Dr. DeMarco, any final thoughts? Yes, I, I uh, once again would really like to thank our residents and fellows for the work they do on a daily basis. Residency is uh, stressful enough without uh, throwing a pandemic at them. Uh, many of the residents were deployed for weeks and months during the first surge and we tried to limit it this time uh, to, to a few weeks or days for each of them. But, um, you know, residency is, is hard as, as Mimi and, and Robert said. I think in many ways it's harder than when I was a resident. You know, we didn't have duty hours then, but I think the duty hours brought uh, difficulties that were unforeseen with work compression, and you know, it's a it's a revolving door. There's much more acuity. There's shorter length shorter length of stay, and I think in many ways residency is is much more stressful than you know than my residency days, and so I really. Uh, applaud the residents for the work they do and, you know, for getting involved in, in things out, outside of their, you know, their medical work uh, as well. So I want to thank both of you. I thank all the residents and fellows for the work that you do on a daily basis. All right. And with that, we want to thank you as well and your hundreds of colleagues who are residents and fellows for your long hours, your compassionate care and really the tremendous work that you do every day. And, and also thanks for taking a little time to talk with us, to share your insights. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having us. Yeah, and thank you for, uh, thank you, Dr. DeMarco, and thank you, Jen, and, and thank you to all the administrators and everyone who continues to make UMass run <laughs> for us. Thank you. You have been listening to the voices of UMass Med. Please share this episode and subscribe. I'm Jennifer Berryman, Vice Chancellor for Communications at the University of Massachusetts Medical School. Keep up to date with everything happening at UMass Medical School by following us on Facebook at UMass Med, on Twitter at UMass Medical, and on LinkedIn at University of Massachusetts Medical School.